0: You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our weekly AIB Market Update on Tuesday the 29th of June. I'm Jane Kavanagh from our Corporate Treasury team and I'm joined this week by AIB's Chief Economist Oliver Mangan to discuss recent developments in the financial markets and look to the week ahead. Ollie, as we approach the halftime whistle for 2021, we might talk a little about currencies year-to-date before we look to the week ahead. It's fair to say that while we've seen some exciting runs, all told, and as you'd expected, the markets have been relatively range-bound through the first half.
1: Yeah, certainly the currencies have. Obviously, stock markets have been another strong six months after a very strong performance last year. But what we've seen really has been range-trading largely from currencies. Uh, okay, at the start of the year, starting got a little bounce uh, on the back of the uh the, the trade deal with the EU and it some ground. But if you look at the broad currencies, I mean, people might be surprised to hear that I mean, the key rate is the euro dollar has been between 117 and 123 for nearly a year now, since July of last year. And very close to that middle of that range, the present time, just near 120. If you look at sterling, you know, since mid-February, it's been... Stuck between 85 and 87p against the euro, very, very narrow trading range, and really remained very close to 86p for most of that time. Uh, and if you've got the broader currency, the Swiss franc, very stable, the Aussie dollar. Uh, the yen weakened a bit earlier on the year. Uh, but again, uh, if you look at the, yen, the dollar-yen rate, 108 to 111 has contained all the actions since March. So these currencies have been remarkably range-bound, and it was it was sort of what we expected. There is a global recovery underway after last year's recession. You know vaccines are being rolled out in all the major developed economies that's laying the foundation for robust recovery and economic activity but central banks everywhere are very much on hold and you know, there's ongoing quantitative easing and you know no interest rate increases anticipated anytime soon and we are seeing this rise in inflation, but the message from all central banks is the same. You know, this will be temporary. Inflation will fall back next year. We're not going to be moving policy in the back of it. So you have this very similar economic backdrop in terms of robust recovery, economic activity virtually everywhere, and central banks all singing from the same hymn sheet. Uh, they did their easing last year. They're maintaining rates at very, very low, low levels. They're continuing with quantitative easing and not inclined at all to, to change policy. So against that background, it's not that surprising that we've seen um, you know, very, very stable exchange rates. The dollar did fall last year when, you know, it had been supported in recent years by very high interest rates in the US. Well I should say high interest rates relative elsewhere, but the US slashed rates to zero last year. The dollar lost a lot of ground, uh, but it's become it's turned more stable this year. Uh, the one thing I will say in the US, and we had the Fed meeting a couple of weeks ago is Markets have brought forward when they think rates will start to rise. So the Fed was saying, you know, we won't be increasing rates uh, until 2024 at the earliest. Now, at the June meeting, they've indicated they could raise rates in 2023. And the markets actually think rates will start to rise next year. Now, that's a bit different from the start of the year. And that, you know, that bringing forward of U.S. rate hikes has helped stabilize the dollar uh, compared to its fallback last year.
0: Thanks, Ollie. And then I suppose looking forward to the second half, as it were, is there anything on the horizon that may break the deadlock then?
1: Well, you know, c- currencies will eventually break out of these the, these narrow ranges. I have to say, we've had the central Bank meetings now, the, the, the Bank of England last week, and before that, the ECB and the uh, US Fed, and they've updated their forecast. This is the quarterly meeting in which they do it. They are due to meet again in late July, early August. I don't think we'll see anything significant out of those meetings. I mean, the, the next major policy review for them will come at their Sept- September meeting. They update their forecast on a quarterly basis. So the, the next updates will be in September. So over the summer, I think it can look, or we'd look to see currencies remain within narrow ranges. And that might remain the case over the remainder of the year. But if you do turn to next year, I mean, there's, there's a good chance we'll see rate increases in the UK and the US. One, because they're more advanced in terms of their recovering economic activity. The, the role of the vaccines in the US and the UK is ahead of the Eurozone and ahead of Japan. And secondly, you know, the, the pickup inflation has been most pronounced in the US. So if we did start to see rate increases in the US and the UK next year, it could move their currencies because there's no way i think the ecb will be uh, increasing rates they remain deeply negative their 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 deposit rate the key rate is minus 0.5 percent so markets don't see any rate increases in the eurozone to maybe 2024 at the earliest and then a very slow pace so you could see actually widening interest rate differentials next year if those rate, if what the markets expect proves true which is rate increases in the us and in the uk And interest rates remaining rooted in negative territory in the eurozone. So that's the sort of environment you might begin to see currency movements. But for the near term, I think there's going to be no major movements in in the exchange rates.
0: Thanks, Ollie. So a focus again, maybe in terms of the gap between the interest rates of the major economies driving the currencies and how they may possibly perform. Turning then to uh, PMI data, we had another very strong round of PMI data everywhere for June late last week, Ollie, yeah?
1: Yeah, very strong readings, well above 60. And again, a consistent message coming through all three major economies, the same story. A rapid rebound in economic activity as economies are opening up i mean there's an awful lot of stimulus in the system you know we're very supportive fiscal policies we're very low interest rates we have this massive build-up of household savings everywhere so as economies are opening up we're seeing the surge in demand and actually the main difficulty is, is is plus coming through in the service is capacity constraints particularly on the manufacturing side firms are struggling to meet the the, the surge in demand so and also often struggling to find raw materials and inputs uh, and delays at ports, et cetera. So that's their main problem. The supply side is, is finding it hard to keep up with the surge in demand we're seeing. But it's striking that, you know, the no matter where you look, we are seeing very, very strong activity data uh, and a very strong rebound in economies as they open up. And some upper pressure obviously emerging then in input prices and output prices as a result of shortages. Also, good employment growth as well across the sectors. So, again, it goes back to that, what I was saying, you know, the currencies are very static because it's hard to distinguish between the, the economies at this stage. It's certainly true the US and the UK are somewhat further ahead, but there's a strong recovery underway in the Eurozone as, as well. Uh, and the data are painting a very similar picture across all the three major economies.
0: And Dolly, as we're looking to the data due then this week, the headline fixture comes to us by the payrolls, of course, stateside. However, it's fair to say these have been fairly underwhelming over quarter two. Is there any excitement that we can expect out of this week?
1: Well, we always feel that the key data uh, are are the U.S. employment report, the U.S. payrolls. And they are, I suppose, even more important now because the Fed has specifically tied monetary policy to a full recovery in the labor market. And for whatever reason, the, the recovery in employment has been slower than anticipated in the U.S. in recent months. Now, it may well be down to the fact that, you know, the, the enhanced income supports that governments are, are providing are still in place. There's ongoing concerns. Not all states are, not all of the US states are as advanced as it might have be been in terms of vaccination. Workers may still have concerns about uh, catching the virus and go back to work or using public transport, etc. But the, the bottom line is the, the, the recovery in jobs growth has been slower than anticipated. Now, it is expected that it will pick up pace over the summer and into the autumn and markets will be looking for that. I mean, to, to give you some raw figures, we're about 7.5 million, jo- million jobs down still in the US ter- in terms of the level of employment compared to the start of last year before the pandemic struck. And yet there's over 9 million job vacancies. So the expectation was we would be seeing, you know, jobs move increase by around a million a month. That hasn't materialized. Uh, it's been less than that, uh, you know, down around a half million or even lower than that. So the markets are looking for some pickup in the, the data come on, on Friday. And the forecast is for maybe 650 675 in terms of the increase it could move the dollar if it's weaker than anticipated it means it might be those expectations for rate increases next year might have to be pushed back but if we, if we start to see a strong run or something starts to see a run a strong labor market data over the summer and into the early autumn well then i think markets will be even more convinced that we could see rate increases next year because The Fed has said we think we believe the rise in inflation in the US will be temporary. We want to see a full recovery in the labor market before we start tightening monetary policy, and really, that's not there yet in terms of the the pace of growth. Now, the Fed itself is looking at this issue and feels employment growth will pick up as more and more people are vaccinated and as the as the income supports begin to fall off uh, at the end of the summer. but markets would pay very close attention to that to that employment report because as I say it is it's for the Fed it's a key driver of its of its uh, policy and its monetary response uh, to the recovery of economic activity. So uh, we'll also watch the unemployment rate that is forecast to fall to five point six percent from five point eight. Now again, before the pandemic struck, the unemployment rate was three and a half percent. So that's the type of territory we need to see the unemployment rate certainly need to fall below four. Before the Fed would even contemplate raising rates. So, um, yes, labor market data in the US are absolutely key for Fed policy and obviously moving markets, generally be the bond markets, stock markets, and currency markets. We also get in the Eurozone um, inflation data this week for June. Now, the pickup in inflation has been nowhere as pronounced in the Eurozone as in the US. The headline rate in the US has gone to over 5%. In June, actually, I see the forecast here is for the rate of inflation in the Eurozone to fall from two to one point nine. And if you exclude energy, it's rated around one percent. So again, the core rate in the States is around four. So reference what I was saying earlier on, you know, the recovery is lagging somewhat on the Eurozone. The pickup on price pressure just hasn't been as pronounced. So that really gives credence to the view that the, the ECB will be a long way behind the Fed and the Bank of England when it comes to tightening interest rates. And they'll be more or less saying that. And Philip Day, the chief economist, has said, yes, inflation will probably pick up in the second half of the year here also, but we expect that to be purely a temporary phenomenon. These our issues we think on a medium-term basis is that inflation could fall back below, well below, our two percent target. So he's more worried about low inflation than high inflation. And again, it adds to that case in terms of when rates start to rise. It's likely to be in the U.S. and the U.K., not the eurozone, and that's what would eventually could be the trigger to move the currencies out of these very, very narrow trading ranges. But i say, as I say, it's still quite some way off.
0: Okay, Oli, thank you very much for that. Fair to say all eyes are on Europe. I'm not sure it's for all matters related to the markets at the moment. However, we will watch these markets very, very closely in the coming week. A big thanks to all our listeners for joining us on this week's podcast. To stay up to date with the latest market developments, please subscribe to AIB's Market Talk wherever you source your podcasts. For those customers impacted by the pandemic, you can find details of AIB's support packages at www.aib.ie forward slash COVID-19. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Banks PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.